You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio. It is time for our Straight Talk segment here for about a half hour. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have about our Catholic faith and living our Catholic faith or prayer. You're welcome to call into our studio office at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or you can go certainly to the Real Presence Radio Facebook page and enter a question in through the Facebook uh, and, and there's also a link through the website, realpresenceradio.com. So welcome your uh, invi- uh, questions today to talk about a variety of things. And one thing I was thinking of focusing on as we get started here and wait perhaps for the first few questions to trickle in, we've done real well uh, regarding this, is yesterday we celebrated the great feast of Christ the King here throughout the church. And it's a recognition of our Lord's supreme and universal authority that all in the created world has been handed over to him uh, for the sake of the manifestation of divine love. For all was created uh, by an act of love of the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They will to love and send and exude forth from them, cr- making creation. Uh, one of the th- first things to remember and as we recognize our Lord's supreme authority and the act of creation and his, his uh, absolute dominion over what is created is we know our, our God as the uncreated creator. No one created God. No one made God. He has always been, he is, and he always will be. And he is the unchangeable God and he uh, has always been. So he's the uncreated creator and in thus by setting the order and the dominion and the the, the rules that he has regarding creation, he manifests his almighty power, including in the sustaining of creation. Uh, for when he wills something to be, it is. When he wills something to stop or, or to have a, an end, it ends. Uh, and when he wills a new beginning, there's a new beginning. It, his will is supreme in all things. So when we look to celebrate this in a liturgical way, uh, we what is the church giving to us and we have actually the the first question i want to go into this the first question we have thank you for our first listener question why did we just celebrate christ the king and why do we have this feast dedicated to his kingship so some of that i've, I've already introduced regarding the supreme authority of god as our lord and creator the uncreated creator but then in this is also the manifesting manifestation of jesus christ a second person of the holy trinity who god foresaw from all eternity would be the word made flesh would live among us and the reason for this is because of the fall of the human family uh, an original sin and in God's plan to save us uh, in that original sin it was an eternal sin an eternal offense against God and because we are finite uh, we could not rectify it heal it or obtain forgiveness from anything that is of human nature alone and thus the divine divinity of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, made, was the Word made flesh in the womb of the Virgin, in the in his incarnation in her womb, and then was brought forth at Christmas, his birthday, and our Blessed Mother presented Jesus to the shepherds, and then later the Magi presented him in the temple with Joseph, and continued to present him in a variety of ways, including at the wedding feast at Cana, uh, and then presenting him 
as well in union with his heart at the foot of the cross, that our Blessed Mother had a singular role of presenting Jesus in a variety of ways and in differing relationships for the sake of our salvation and for the sake of our goods, that the Word lives among us, willing and desiring to establish peace. And that peace has a particular quality, and it's directly related to our Lord's universal authority. And that quality is his will. The original sin was an offense against the will of God, which was specifically manifested to Adam and then to Eve. Eve knew it too. And so when they violated God's will, they violated the eternal authority and love of God and the purposes for which God made uh, the world and the human family. And so our Lord's obedience in his human will to the will of our Heavenly Father, even unto death on the cross, as we know St. Paul wrote, then merited for us, our humanity, the forgiveness, the opportunity for forgiveness of sins through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then uh, forgiveness of sins, then to be able to receive the gift of adoption as beloved sons and daughters. And it is the, the very will of God uh, that manifests this and wills to have this come about. And so it begins with faith in the, in the power of Jesus, his divinity, and the receiving of graces that go based on faith, the forgiveness of sins, that we, we repent. And then secondly, that we receive the action and grace of the Holy Spirit to have the life of Christ form within us. Fundamentally, in, in God's will, he wants to live his life in us, that our Lord wants to be formed within us. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is to form the life of Christ and his power within us. So that, as St. Paul writes elsewhere, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And that is a manifestation of the authority of Jesus, possessing our interior will, our freedom. And then making us free, we truly be who we're meant by God to be, who he sees us that we can be in holiness and perfection, starting in this life. And then furthering this, the indwelling of, of the Holy Spirit, forming Christ within us, the Father sees his Son. Our Heavenly Father sees Jesus form within us, and our union with Jesus, the Father recognizes us as his beloved sons and daughters as well. And so he, he, the Father has the sight of his Son, and in his Son he sees us through faith, and then through the works of obedience and faith and the work of love acting within the soul. And he sees that beauty and all the more wills to pour forth his love uh, in us. As he loves his son, so he wills to love us. So that, that beautiful action that only God can do within a soul is one of the reasons why we celebrate Christ the King, who alone is the Savior and makes that saving action in, by means of his own spirit effective and powerful within us. We also recognize in this feast the supreme dominion of Christ over all worldly powers, over all uh, the powers of evil as well, that there are no powers uh, that can rival God. Nothing can rival God. It's not, sometimes there is, a, in the history uh, of the human family, there has been an error that uh, evil is just as strong as the good. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, the good uh, who is, we think of a capital G good, the good is God, uh, there, there is absolutely no uh, equality in power. The, the evil is limited by God, uh, absolutely. The devil can only do what God permits him to do. But God has absolute dominion over all uh, powers outside of himself that he permits to be. And so that God also uh, wills at time, uh, can and does limit uh, evil that persons may be uh, willing to commit. And that's why we pray for 
God to prevent violence, to prevent war, to prevent all sorts of other sins. And it, it pleases God when we ask this of him. And, and it's also God is, is willing, in a sense, to limit faithlessness because that is a, a form of evil, a lack of, a, of the good that should be there to believe in God. And that we pray for those then who perhaps have lost faith or given up faith or perhaps those who do not have faith in Jesus uh, and, and the, the works of faithlessness, that unwillingness to surrender in faith to the obedience of the commands of God and his holy ordering according to how he wills to redeem us. It is a beautiful prayer that our Lord uh, desires uh, with all his heart that we will pray for the conversion of those who uh, lack faith and lack an active faith to believe not only in their an act of the will, but then also through the signs of faith, a living faith. So there are many reasons why we celebrate this feast liturgically, and it leads us into the great season that's coming, <laughs> that is Advent, and then to one of the greatest, one of the two greatest seasons in the church, that's Christmas. Uh, so Advent, though, comes first, and this weekend, uh, this week leading up to this weekend, this week is a good time to think about uh, what am I going to practice? What sorts of focuses do we have in our family during Advent to prepare for Christmas? And one thing I want to throw out for the consideration of all of our listeners is to consider to uh, avoid celebrating Christmas early, uh, to let Christmas be Christmas, you know, December Christmas Eve, perhaps December 24th, and then December 25th. There is, uh, especially in our secular culture, which seeks to sell things and make a profit uh, on various things to be sold and and to, um, in some ways, even de-emphasize the power and grace of Christmas Day and the Christmas octave uh, and the Christmas season, the power of those graces. If, we, if we're not aware of them, we're not seeking them, uh, we can miss those things. So we uh, we try to avoid to celebrate Christmas early because we're meant to prepare for Christmas in Advent. So in Advent, uh, what sorts of special devotions, perhaps families, we got another question come in, uh, might be helpful in Advent? Well, in many families, there there might be an Advent uh, wreath that you might have for your children and for families. Of course, you, you'd be careful where you put it and everything so that everything is uh, reasonably safe, but to have that as a family devotion, perhaps associated with family meals, that there might be a special Advent prayer uh, and Advent preparation. And each week, pr- it could be different because we have the first two weeks with the, the violet or purple candle. The third week, we have the, the rose-colored or pink candle, and then the fourth week of preparation. Now, I think we're blessed this year. We have the longest Advent possible. We have four full weeks of preparation before Christmas, because Christmas is on a Sunday, and we start here on uh, next Sunday, November 27th, and go through uh, December 25th on a Sunday. So it's the longest one possible that families and individuals can prepare for the great graces of Christmas Day and the, the, the manifestation of Jesus, the Word made flesh, born of the Virgin in Bethlehem. Uh, along with that, there could be the devotion of, uh, of an Advent calendar, uh, the Advent calendar is a, a daily opening, usually it's with a scripture verse or some action that would be going on with the Holy Family and how God providentially prepared uh, Joseph and Mary to arrive in Bethlehem that would fulfill scripture that the Messiah would be uh, out of Bethlehem and be in the, in the line of King David and that he would also, uh, the, the Savior would be a king. Um, and so that, that can be a, a beautiful interior preparation to give your children to give each one of us time to consider um, uh, the preparation for Christmas Day and uh, that devotion. Another devotion would be to 
make a goal of attending daily Mass. Uh, that, that would be a marvelous devotion to uh, hear the readings. The readings are particular. The beginning of Advent is uh, more the manifestation of Christ, that he is imminently with us. He wills to manifest his grace as we prepare to have our hearts moved to see the innocence and purity and holiness of the infant babe, Jesus as an infant, the, that he willed to be, in a sense, helpless. Uh, that's always a marvel uh, for me to m- contemplate how the all-powerful God, who is supreme over the whole world and the universe, will to have himself be humble and, and cared for by the Virgin and by St. Joseph. And even as we know from, we'll hear after Christmas, the Herod filled with envy and hatred and fear wanted to have the Christ child killed and, and how St. Joseph then, uh, with the instruction of God, saved Jesus and brought him into Egypt until the time was safe for the Holy Family to come back uh, into Israel out of Egypt. So meditation upon these things and the Holy Mass uh, and the readings of the Mass are, are powerful. Of course, increasing the graces with Holy Communion deepens our personal devotion. And I, I want to emphasize that as well as like we, we have, uh, uh, say, forms of friendship in our human relationships and we anticipate uh, beautiful anniversaries that we have. Uh, we begin preparation. We want to celebrate uh, in our human relationships. I know that I've uh, helped parishioners celebrate wedding anniversaries. I think of my own parents' uh, wedding anniversaries they've celebrated and how there's preparation going into that. And so the, the there can be an interior kinship or interior closeness to Jesus as you prepare to celebrate his birthday. Uh, even that very interior desire to want to prepare your heart and to prepare your family, your household for uh, the celebration of Jesus' birthday can be a beautiful growth and heartfelt love with our Lord. And don't forget our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph as they were there. Their, their hearts beheld the mystery of the Word made flesh. They looked into his eyes uh, uh, when he was born and beheld God through the eyes, the sacred humanity of Jesus, and how they would be willing to help us spiritually and mystically, but truly uh, to be, have the most heartfelt welcoming of Jesus at Christmas. So these are things that children can participate in, You're pr- prompting them a little bit with some of the prayers and to think of this perhaps through art as well and, and various Christmas colorings and things that can they can and be enlivened with a prayerfulness in preparation. Um, there are a few other things regarding Advent. There's also the O antiphons that come up. They start on the uh, nine days before Christmas, and each one has a particular meditation that goes with that. Um, and that's uh, the Oanaphons are rooted in Vespers, the evening prayer of the church, and they make beautiful inspirations. And they, actually, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is based on uh, aspects of the Oanaphon. So it's common for O Come, O Come, Emmanuel to be played during Advent. Perhaps the most appropriate, though, is a little later in Advent, closer to Christmas itself. And as you get closer to Christmas, there, you know, it's roughly December 16th, as you get closer in there, the readings in the church change, and they, the, the readings change to a more focused, uh, imminent birth of Jesus the readings from scripture uh, where it details uh, the, the, the light, what was happening right before our Lord's birth and uh, leading up to the readings of Christmas itself. Um, and so another question here is, uh, uh, how early is too early to decorate for Christmas? Well, it 
it somewhat varies by family, and families themselves have a particular way. Sometimes the Christmas builds that, ex- uh, getting the Christmas tree builds that excitement, and leading up to the decoration. Uh, some of these things are particular to families. I encourage, especially new families, to begin to build your family customs, to begin to build the memories uh, of what you, what you and your children, what you'll look back on, what you'll have pictures of, or some videos, and to to build those up. Uh, to foster some traditions, some perhaps in a young family, what each of the families uh, did when in which they grew up, perhaps fostering new ones that you would like to develop for yourself and how you'd like to share them. I know I, when I grew up, I, I really appreciated various things that my family did. We'd have the Christmas tree up, oh, I think it was roughly around mid-Advent or so, that I, at least that I remember, and then uh, uh, certain decorations would happen and certain things around the house and the, the manger. And one thing my, my uh, parents enjoyed doing is having the priest out for Christmas Eve. So now that I'm a priest, I kind of enjoy that myself at various times and, and seeing the celebrations that different families have and the traditions they have. It's a beautiful thing uh, to see how families incorporate or live the life of Christ in their own domestic church in the home. Uh, one thing that, that sometimes be hidden is sometimes, you know, in parish life, families could help decorate in the church. There are many things that need to happen happen uh, here in the churches we have uh, beautiful streamers or, or uh, the green that goes up and the, the real flowers that come in and different ways that the manger scene gets put up and oftentimes there's a need for helping hands it's also a time sometimes the the, the parishioners and I like this too where there's a, a special cleaning a special freshness to the church leading up to Christmas Eve uh, that maybe the pews are wiped down or in that many hands make for an easy work and for and even a, a, a beautiful greater sight when you get to Christmas Eve so those are little things that can heighten it somewhere directly uh, regarding the church so uh, different families I've seen have regarding back to the Christmas tree and other specific directions some families wait right before Christmas Eve and find that tree maybe the weekend before uh, others you know, start a little earlier maybe mid-advent there's really no right or wrong or anything but what I thing I would say is that when you get to Christmas and you have the decorations to leave them up for a time uh, to leave them up for a while at least I recommend through the octave through and after January 1st and not many people perhaps know this here but maybe uh, in in uh, Italy especially the major scene stays up till February 2nd uh, that has been a, a long-standing tradition there were beautiful manger scenes and even some publicly exhibited uh, it would be up until the the, and the February 2nd is the presentation of our Lord or what we also call candle mass uh, and the the special blessing of candles and the procession that could be done liturgically on that particular feast day uh, but whatever your family customs might be to have it be heartfelt have it be oriented toward the meaning of Christmas which is Christ and uh, the other thing regarding I, I just thought of this the regarding the secular aspect is we go into various stores and various gas stations and and we hear the Christmas music and that gets us excited and the one thing I lament is that uh, just after Christmas Day, perhaps December 22nd or 27th or whenever, you might be back in a place or a store or a gas station. No more Christmas music. Uh, but we ought to resist that and have in our homes Christmas music through the octave, Christmas music in the uh, uh, Christmas season, and perhaps that might be a suggestion for parishes that you continue to have Christmas music all through the Christmas season so that the, the heart of the Christmas time uh, that 
that what you have on Christmas Day can continue all the way through and remind us of the joy that we have, that Christ is with us. He loves us. He's here. He wants our heart. And when we pray with the heart and the light of the Holy Spirit, he's very much delighted. Um, what about a uh, particular aspect of Advent? We, we wear violet in Advent. We also wear violet in Lent. Uh, does Advent have a penitential character as does Lent? And the, question, the answer to that would be yes. So it would be appropriate to offer some forms of almsgiving. Generally, in, in my experience in looking at uh, devotions and practices in Advent, it, it especially the, the penitential practices would touch the heart. And so that the heart would have a, a deeper conversion to Jesus, a deeper heartfelt love for him, welcoming him uh, into one's own heart and one's own humanity. So that uh, I see one beautiful devotion uh, in families uh, that I have been aware of is that perhaps they have a the manger scene. They set that up at the beginning of Advent, uh, but of course the baby Jesus is not there. And the figurines are not there, but there's a, a little manger where the baby will be set. And in that manger, uh, there would be little straw pieces available in a basket nearby. And every work of love that a child, a son or a daughter or mom or dad would do, every work of love would be, you could put a little piece of straw in there to begin to build up uh, the cushion for the infant Jesus when he is born in Bethlehem, when you welcome him there into your family manger. So that, that would be a heartfelt practice rooted in faith. For the love of Jesus, I will do this. And then mom and dad can begin to foster the conscientious works of love uh, within family life and within uh, interior prayer life that we do what we do for the love of God, the glory of God, uh, to console Jesus who has loved us so much to be the word made flesh and to suffer for us, for, for us to be able to enjoy his love and peace in heaven. Uh, that is one aspect of Advent. Another would be to make a good sacramental confession. I generally recommend uh, persons to go to confession at least once a month uh, throughout the, the year. It could be more often, but once a month aids the soul to continue to grow in the love of Jesus and the, to continue to move forward. Because in the spiritual life, we're either moving forward or we move backward. We don't generally stay still uh, for very long, stay in a spot. Uh, our Lord challenges us to move forward because it's possible. In this life, it's possible for us to grow in the love of God. Once we, once we pass from this life, then our hearts are fixed in our capacity and, and uh, wherewithal the strength to love God. So we can continue to grow. And the more free we are and repentant from uh, offenses against God, confession is that very powerful instrument and blessing and grace that God gives us that our hearts may be freed. Advent is a beautiful time for a really good sacramental confession uh, to prepare one's heart and mind and for families to go to confession together. And so at your parish, look for that opportunity where you may be able to go to confession and to have that happen and to uh, just, you know, that uh, especially in families uh, and it's the, the practice of regular confession when children see mom and dad going to confession, it especially fosters that interior devotion with them. This is important, and it's important to mom and dad, and then it's much more likely that it's going to be or become important for those children as they move into adulthood. And that's what we, what we want, to keep kid, our young people close to Jesus and to foster those ways and practices uh, to love Jesus uh, for 
one's whole life. So it's a beautiful opportunity for Advent. I recommend also the rosary and especially the, the, the prayer of the joyful mysteries. Uh, it, it has been a, a custom that in some families and in some parishes. I know I, I generally practice this myself to pray the joyful mysteries on Sunday, to pray the joyful mysteries um, during uh, Advent Sundays in Advent, of course, through the Christmas season as well. And it's a way for us to, when we meditate upon those mysteries, um, the, um, that we begin to pray uh, the mysteries of Christmas, the mysteries of salvation. Another question has come in on the similar theme. Are there any changes in the Mass during Advent, like how we don't sing the Alleluia during Lent? So it's true, we, we forgo Alleluia during Lent. And um, the, in Advent, many things are very similar as we might have in what we call ordinary time. There is one difference in Advent. We do not... Uh, profess or sing the Gloria on weekends or during Masses, unless there's a, a solemnity. And we have a solemnity of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, so we will offer the Gloria, but when you go on Sunday Masses, we will not have the Gloria be offered on Sundays, and that it reflects the penitential character, and it also liturgically uh, reminds us uh, that we are preparing our hearts and minds so as to worship God. Uh, the, the most dignified and most perfect human activity is to worship God, to sing his glory and praises. And the glory, especially, we have the beautiful uh, Christmas hymn uh, of Gloria and Excelsis Deo, and that, that the angels sang upon the birth of Jesus, that we're invited to sing and to worship God with the angels. And that reminds us of heaven and the greatest dignity we have to be, f be before the face of God, to receive his love and to sing his praises for how good he is, his infinite majesty, which we cannot comprehend in himself. Only God knows himself in himself, but he shares with us in his great love uh, a sufficient degree and a sufficient, gives us a sufficient ability to comprehend uh, to the degree that we possibly can in our finiteness, how glorious and great he is, how worthy of all praise, adoration, honor, and glory he is in himself, how that is the rightful duty we have uh, to offer him that worship. So that is at the core of not professing the Gloria during Advent as well as Lent, and, and how we prepare for the Gloria and the beauty of the Gloria at Christmas, the Christmas uh, uh, celebrations. Now, one important detail that, that can also foster devotion in the, in the family life as well as it does in the church life each year is that we have Advent begins the new liturgical year. And some might wonder, well, why does that happen? Advent begins the new liturgical year. At the heart of this is the truth of the, the Word made flesh, the incarnation of Jesus. All of history is marked by the action of God, in particular, in a sense, the center of history, is the manifestation of God's will and favor in the incarnation of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And then his birth, then, uh, is, in a sense, that manifestation of the founding of the holy people of the church, the fulfillment uh, we have in his precious blood and sacrifice for us, which has changed the course of the human family. And so there is, uh, in a sense, this preparation and Mary was prepared to be the mother of God. And then the angel came at the Annunciation, which we celebrate on March 25th each year. And when Mary, Mary then had a kind of a holy preparation. And then, so we have that in Lent, holy preparation leading up to his birth. So stay with us. We have more of our show. Great questions, everyone. And let us then have that beautiful preparation. Father Randall Kazel from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island. We'll be right back after the break. <laughs> 